Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, interview series on radio and podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. Yes, that Amazon. Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and for all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience who remember fondly The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, you'll love today's guest. Thanks so much for listening today. We've got a great guest today whom I will introduce in just a moment, but quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 668th episode, and we spoke to Smithsonian associate and author, researcher, and scientist, Dr. Sean Harding, who's written the new book, The Exquisite Machine, The New Science of the Heart. Two weeks ago, I spoke with author and inspiring speaker, diet expert, Anastasia Marks de Salcido about her new book, Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse. Wonderful stuff. If you missed those shows, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. And if you leave a review, we will read it at the end of each show. Please leave reviews for us at Apple Podcasts. We've got a great review to share with you today, so please keep sending those reviews right to us. Well, we're listening to the Tonight Show theme, which played nightly in the bedrooms of American households and was hosted for many, many years by the popular Johnny Carson. Our guest today to walk down memory lane with us is Mark Malkoff. Mark Malkoff talks with us today about the legendary talk show host Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show. Mark Malkoff hosts the popular podcasts, The Carson Podcasts. Mark's guests include stand-up comics who debuted on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, Lots of other people who worked on the show, frequent guests of the show, and top entertainers that were influenced by Carson, like Jonathan Winters. The podcast is available at CarsonPodcast.com. We'll talk about all that and more with Mark Malkoff, who's a comedian himself. He has been featured on The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Mashable, NPR's Weekend Edition, BBC, and... The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Of course, please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast, comedian Mark Malkoff. Mark Malkoff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. It's very nice of you to have me. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. I hope you're well. Hope your family's well. You know, recovering from all of this uh, isolation. It's so good to connect with somebody like you who's doing such neat work online. I find that our audience really enjoys these online connections. But my best to you and your family right now. Oh, same back at you, right back at you. Yeah, I definitely, with the the pandemic and everything, getting to connect with people still is a treat. Yeah. It feels, it just feels like the pandemic, it was just like the other day when we weren't seeing one another. And I just try to be grateful for every interaction uh, that I have. I know. I feel the same way. And I think I think it's during these times that, you know, these kinds of uh, uh, connections are so important. And, and I'll, I'll just say this too. You know, these kinds of subjects, the Carson podcast that you host, it is so wonderful. It just brings joy. It's brought a lot of joy to me. I know it does to our audience. And, I, and I'm sure you get that too. It meant a lot to my audience. You know, we're just kind of in this generation that that the Tonight Show was just everything staying up late. But who was he to you, and and why 
is the the Tonight Show your focus? Because there's there's so many things that you do and so many things that you you could be doing. But this is a great focus. I'm grateful for it. But why? Yeah, yeah. it's a good question. Pretty much everything I do is my curiosity. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, you know, I was I was raised since I was five years old on. You know, it's a mad, 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 mad world. So I knew who Phil Silvers and Jonathan Winters. I knew who everyone was. And my dad would let me stay up once in a while uh, to see Carson. And he would always tell me about seeing Carson in New York in 6B in 1968. And I, I would Carson was so likable. There was something about him. I, I mean, I loved when he had the animals or um, w- with kids, but he, he was just. And of course, when like someone like Jonathan Winters or a comic that was physical, was on and it was one of these things where it was just this different it was this world that I've never encountered and I wanted to be a part of it and I even from a young age I'd ask my dad questions like um how how everything works and he would tell me well they discuss they discuss with uh, the guest discuss with another person what they're going to talk about and it's all given to the host I'm like seriously how do you get that job and it was, you know, Johnny Carson, it was a lot of it was how how are the magic tricks done? Like now on talk shows, the cameras are always behind the scenes. It's everything is shown, but there was so much mystery really about um what went on backstage at the Tonight Show and w- what the guests went through, the staff. And it, it, for me, it was that was it. I was just curious about it and I did not think anybody I, I thought very few people would care. I really did just cuz I'd never met anybody that liked him in the show as much as me. I mean, they might know a few things about it, but I mean, nobody came close to my um, my passion or excitement for it. So uh, thankfully, I was wrong. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you for just a second about his kind of his likability. He, my wife is a Midwesterner from Iowa, and Johnny Carson, of course, a Midwesterner, and so aw shucks and so relatable to to just everyone. And I wonder, do you think we could even have a host like that today? What was it about our country, society at that moment that kind of gave us, you know, the stage of Johnny Carson and and all that he was? Just an amazing personality. Yeah, I would like to think he would work on some platform. I mean, he he had a slower approach with the conversations, which I really did like um, a, a, a lot. And he he was not into show business at all or, you know, mingling and stuff like he had so many outside interests. And he was really this Nebraska kid at heart. And it really shined through. Pe- people don't really know this, but from my studying and talking to people, the same Carson that you would see hosting the show, that was what the guy was really like. I mean, his best friends told me that. Uh, one of his wives s- said that. But he had to feel comfortable. When he was in front of an audience, he was in control, and he felt comfortable. So he only really showed that side in private to his good friends, um, his his wife, wives, wives, <laughs> um, obviously, and just this close, yeah, this close, close circle of people. But they all tell me when he felt comfortable, that's who he was. But off camera, you know, very, very shy um, and had, he protected. He had to protect himself. He had so many threats against him, his life. And I mean, I could go on forever, but there were just a lot of things that happened in New York and Burbank where he just had to protect himself. You know, as this highly regarded Tonight Show archivist yourself, you just do such a great job with this program. What do you think we miss about all the great episodes and what Johnny contributed to us 
as viewers, I have a kind of a personal take in this because I just think he could talk to so many different types of people. And I, I try to talk to people. I love, you know, I talk for a living and, and I, that's kind of my, you know, take on him. But what was it that yeah. you think he really clicked with this? I think he was a curious person in his interviews. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was, inc- he never made fun of anybody. He made people feel completely comfortable. He sat, he could sit down with a-list movie star and then sit down with a, a, a child or he could talk to somebody. They would have these people called uh, civilians, which um, they had a lot of senior citizens. These And a lot of these civilians had never been out of their state. And Carson could just make them instantly feel comfortable in front of this audience. And, you know, millions of people are going to be tuning in. But a lot of the guys said once you sat down with him, there was just something about him that – you felt comfortable. Several people have told me that worked on the show. They were actually guests on the show. When when you would go at you were on the show and you shook Johnny's hand, that you felt this energy, this bolt of energy that they had never felt before or, or since. And there was just something about his magnetism um, and his just his likability. I mean, I, I really think it just comes down to. to to likability and I mean it's the best history lesson if somebody wants to, to see American history from 1962 to 1992 in terms of who who was famous in terms of uh, socially where the country was uh, and fashion I mean pretty much everything um, is through that show and I mean I, I I learned so much every single time but the monologue was definitely you could tell where the country was. He was a very good barometer on on that. Mm-hmm. It was also the situation I, I felt that, and David Letterman was good at this too. Johnny's guests were people that he liked. I I've been a fan of yours for a while, but I went back in in anticipation of our our conversation today. I went back and I listened to, and I I, I listened to the Kathy Geiswhite you know uh, interview, and and you could tell that these were people that Johnny genuinely liked just like dave had his you know kind of favorites personally i loved the animal segments and i wonder if you have a favorite animal story to share i loved jonathan winters the gluing his cat to the floor my gosh it's so hilarious i just thought some of those they're just so memorable the animals were really the best my personal favorite and it's a famous clip i mean there's way more uh but Johnny's up to some cage with a, a tiger or a cheetah, and suddenly, uh, and Johnny's like, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's fine. You just don't make any sudden movements. And he really was confident that nothing would happen. And then the thing, um, you know, went after him, still in a cage. And then he, he runs to Ed on stage and jumps into Ed's arms. And that to me was just such a Carson moment. And then just the reactions when they would put like tarantula on his shoulder. Or whatever. You know, I was told that he put peanuts in his pocket when an elephant was on one. So he the so it would go to the, his crotch area, the trunk, the elephant trunk. He he would milk the laughs um, for for everything. Of course, he didn't mention that to the audience. But you know, he, Joan Embry was just a regular person. Jim Fowler, uh, both of them, I had on my show, and you, you were just talking about Kathy Geisway. All they wanted were good conversationalists that were entertaining that were uh, real and that, yeah, that were f- funny. I mean, it, it, they were never chasing, as Peter LaSalle told me, after the hottest star. I mean, they weren't going to put on Mel Gibson or Tom Cruise. Um, you know, Arsenio came in at, what is it, 88, something like that, and started having those people on. 
But all they cared about was, are you going to be entertaining or are you um, a good talker? That's why so many people like Kathy um, would get, you know, Kathy got like 10 appearances, something like that, eight appearances. And he, he, he really took to certain people like Woody Harrelson would wear pajamas on air. He would wear he just had gotten famous from chairs and he would wear pajama bottoms. And just there was something about him that Carson just loved and he would bring him back. And then Woody, I know, wrote a song for him and played it on the piano about Johnny, how much he loved him. And there were just certain people with these quirks. And if Carson was entertained, he figured America was entertained. And he he definitely his judgment was spectacular. Hey, it's Paul. I just want to share a quick message from today's sponsor, Amazon Pharmacy. You know, many of us in the Not Old Better Show audience are going back and forth to the pharmacy for our medications to stay healthy and vital. When I go to the drugstore, I always seem to wait until the last minute, hoping they'll be open or I get stuck in a line or both. That's why I love Amazon Pharmacy. Yes, that Amazon. (laughs) Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. Personally, I use Amazon Pharmacy and it gives me this great sense of relief because you don't have to worry about the ordering, the waiting in line, and all that because Amazon's excellent reputation for delivery. And you'll be assured that your medication gets delivered to your door so there's no more rushing out to the store hoping to get there before they close. Amazon Pharmacy helps you save time, save money, and stay healthy. There's transparent pricing, so you know what you'll pay before you pay it. That is so great today, especially with all of these confusing medications. Prime members can save up to 80% on their prescriptions. And like I mentioned earlier, Amazon Pharmacy works with most major insurance plans. And check this out. If you ever have any questions or problems, real pharmacists are always available at Amazon Pharmacy no matter what time of day or night. Amazon Pharmacy works for your life with meds delivered to your door. It doesn't get any better than that. Switch to Amazon Pharmacy and save time, save money, and stay healthy. Learn more at Amazon.com slash N-O-B. That's Amazon.com slash N-O-B. Amazon.com slash N-O-B. Average savings based on usage and inside RX data as compared to cash prices. Average savings for all generics are 78%, 37% for select brand medications. Restrictions apply. We're with Mark Malkoff. Mark Malkoff hosts the popular The Carson podcast. Mark's done it for a number of years. Mark talks to a lot of great people, stand-up comics that have debuted on Johnny Carson, all of these great individuals. We talked a little bit about Kathy Geiswhite. These people just seem to relate so well to Johnny and Johnny to them. And Mark Malkoff, you worked on Letterman, who also related well to kind of a niche, you know, group of people too. He had his his favorites. He was another Midwesterner. And I I think he's probably worthy of of this kind of treatment, a, a Letterman podcast. Maybe there is one out there. I, I searched a little bit, didn't go in too too deep on that search. But are you surprised that there's still so much interest in Johnny Carson, his work, and then these guests, as well as you know, some of the staff that were on the show, because I think that's a really interesting take that, that you bring to this. That's what I get from the, the listeners around the country mm-hmm. that Miss Carson is just this glimpse from the staff. I mean, I 
again, I mean, I would get, you know, a Carl Reiner or a Mel Brooks on, but I'm like, is anybody going to care about the talent coordinators? I do. And they would do better numbers a lot of times in the downloads than some famous people. I mean, it was just, you know, I sat down with, um, I guess, three of Carson's personal assistants, the, many writers, probably a dozen of his writers, staff members, everyone from who had answered the phone to his producer, Peter LaSalle, to Doc Severinsen. And it was the first real glimpse. And I talked to his friends who had never talked publicly really about him because they knew I had good intentions. And it was the really... I was learning with the audience, but I feel like this was the the closest representation to who the guy really, really was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like those those very intimate portrayals of, of Johnny that, you know, they're almost humble in and that they're not these big, you know, tent pole type personalities, but they are people that know him well. Yeah. Do you have yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the stuff still plays well because I didn't answer your question fully. I mean, the clips on YouTube, I think they have something like, is it like 100 million views from different platforms? I mean, there's a bunch on the official Johnny Carson channel that just have millions and millions. People miss Carson. They miss that time period. I mean, who's funnier than Rodney Dangerfield on the show? I mean, it was a combination of those great guests that he would have and then just his wit and just... Yeah, it's just that 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 like ability. Yeah, I mentioned, uh, and and you you did too. Jonathan Winter is so funny, and and we will play this just this brief little clip from gluing the cl- cat to the floor because I, I think that's great. I do you have a favorite Jonathan Winter story? One that's you know a Johnny related one, of course. I loved when he went on with Robin Williams. Yeah, um, there yeah. was just something about them because they both operate. Uh, their minds <laughs> similarly and robin williams was like the biggest jonathan winters fan and really mork and mindy brought back his career and it was just to see them both with carson was magic i mean jonathan winters uh dick Heva told me after he would go on carson um you know they, they had a bar below uh, the building, uh, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, NBC, there's a bar, bar called Hurley's, which was there up until a couple of years ago. And now it's a cupcake magnolia. But they would go there and Jonathan Winters would be there. They, they'd all hang out till like three or four in the morning and Jonathan Winters would hold court and just do improv, improv uh, characters and everything. And it was, there was just something about him. Very few people had that skill set, if anybody uh, that had him, but he he just to get actual comedy people that are, you know want to go to probably their wife or kids back then it was mostly men, but to stay out there because it's just Jonathan Winter says yeah. just a lot about his talent. Yeah, one of the other shows that I was really I was just touched, you know, as I as I say I use this term and and you know Baxter Black, you could tell was very moved. Uh, you know, he had turned down Johnny a couple times, and he he really just lost it when, when Johnny passed away. I thought that was very moving too. You could just tell that connection. There were a lot of people that got emotional. Some of them cried, um, when we got together and I understand, um, I, before I did this podcast, I I never would have guessed in a million years, but, um, yeah, the Baxter black getting emotional and just talking, uh, to the people that knew him and the staff members and his friends, I, yeah, I did. I, I did get a sense, um, a big sense, of um, the book Baxter Black, how he uh, react, and it's great because like he's another guest that Johnny just loved. Not a household name by any means. He had a radio show that was wonderful for 
for, for, for years, but just really entertaining. He liked people that were not show businessy. He, he really had a hard time with Bob Hope because Bob Hope, Carson would say, is, his whole life was show business. He really didn't have friends. I mean, it was all show business. Where Carson, you know, would, would had a telescope. He would take he was a take magic lessons. He 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 was a pilot in New York, and he would fly. He got his pilot's license. He was doing archery. He was um he would go to dinner after um with Carl Sagan would do the show, and they would talk astronomy. I mean, he was just a really curious person, and not. The show business thing wasn't there, and if anybody came on and gave that vibe, he, he that was he he didn't didn't like that. He, he that wasn't his favorite. You know, I have to say, I you know, I interview people for a living. I, I like the the names that aren't as well known too. It just offers me a chance to share something you know with with audience who who might not be as familiar. You have really gotten some tremendous uh, guests. I I have a name that I have I have been trying to get for I've been doing this now for seven years and I have a name of of a person that I have been trying to get oh, I try to get her yearly and I've got some connections into her we actually were in we went to the same university at one point in time I wonder you know of all the big names that you you've gotten do you have any anybody that's you know so high on your list that you just haven't anybody still living of course but anybody that's so high on your list that you just haven't been able to tap into because I, I think we genuinely enjoy hearing from these inner workings of people but what's left for you out there there's a lot of people yeah. it's like 200 people something like that everyone from dave letterman to bet midler <laughs> to tom hanks who went on the show six times and loves johnny and it's you know what it is i'm guessing also it's like getting to them and mm-hmm. their publicist when they hear mm-hmm. the word podcast it's like the kiss of death <laughs> so it's trying to get for me personally either to their personal assistant yeah. or them yeah. um occasionally um public some publicists are, are great um but yeah it's basically trying to ask them but yeah it's you know some people just don't feel comfortable and what can you do and then other people just you know for whatever reason, but um, yeah, Seinfeld doesn't do comedy podcasts really. Uh, I have yeah a long list, and trust me, I've asked these people very <laughs> politely over the years. Yeah. I mean, it took me like six years, I think, five years, six years to get Angie Dickinson. Wow. Same with with Diane Cannon, and it was just you know not being a pest, but just every I don't know couple times a year, just checking in and showing my latest work. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Richard Lewis took. I think eight years, at least seven years. He was on one of my last um, shows, and I was like, "He's gonna say no. It's not even worth it." But I'm gonna do one last push, and he, his, um, yeah, his publicist Jeff Abraham made it happen. I couldn't believe it. And it's one of my best episodes. Yeah, that. Well, you know, you say that you're you're extremely humble. You're you're so talented with this. But like Carol Burnett, she's been on, you know, a cup, you know, more than just a couple times. I mean, she returns to talk about Johnny with you. You know, with some regularity. I was glad that I was able to interview her a second time because when I first started, it was in 2013, and I, we released them. I had a bunch stockpiled. I did not know what I was doing in terms of sitting down with these people and asking them questions. That the, the the voice in in my head was, "Mark, you have no idea what you're doing. You're not qualified." And this, the, these people. They shouldn't be talking to you. So it took me a while just to get comfortable sitting down with these with with these people or being, um, you know, on the phone in some instances. 
um, to really get the thing down. I mean, you're a professional. You've been doing this for years. I, I had never done this before. So, I mean, I, I, I learned on the job and it, it took me a, a little bit. But um, I, one thing I, I, I am thankful for, I always made my guest, even when I didn't know what I was doing, feel comfortable. And I think that's why so many of them had opened up to me. I mean, it's 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 one of those things trying to, you know, Carol Burnett's this icon. What can we talk about that she's never talked about in interviews um, and just trying to pull out stuff? I mean, the, so many of these famous people are asked the same cookie cutter things. And, um, and uh, you know, the reason I got the huge guests, I wish it was my per- my personality, uh, but it was that they w- wanted to talk about Johnny Carson and they never get the opportunity to talk about him in length. I, I always equated it. It was like somebody that loved go- their college experience. It was like the best four years of their life, and they never have a forum to tell stories and talk about how much fun they had and how much it meant to them. So that that was the case with a lot of people that regularly don't do interviews that that talk to me. And these people where I'm like, I can't believe that this, someone this famous wants to talk to me. But then they said, you know, Carson was my one of the biggest break of my life. Like Jimmy Buffett, I was like, his people are like, he's excited to talk to him. I'm like, seriously? And I asked him and he said, no one's ever asked me in my in- decades of my career about going on Carson and Carson he said it would that. And I think opening up for the Eagles were the biggest breaks of my life. And I think it was just for a lot of these people just to talk uh, about that time period in their life, which they loved so much going on the show. I do think it's you too, though, Mark, Mark Malkoff, because you're, you're very talented and you've just got this wonderful reputation, an actor, writer, an interviewer, podcaster, you know, um, I'm doing that too. So I know what, what uh, work this takes. And I think you just, you just come across in such a, a genuine way that I, I, I know that these, and you can hear it, you can hear it. There's a cowboy poet, Baxter Black, you know, talking about, you know, his feelings of, of losing Johnny Carson in his life. I, one of the things, and, and I, I want to just jump, I'm, I'm moving around a little bit, but I want to just say to our audience, and we'll put links up, but if you get a chance to watch Mark Malkoff's demo video, it is fantastic. But one of the things that I uh, was so impressed with, uh, Mark, was just this breadth of work that you've done with sponsors because that's kind of an interesting side of of what we do. You know, how do we kind of make a living? You've just had some amazing relationships and um, you brought a goat into the Apple store, you know? <laughs> I, I did. I was under contract with a place to do. Um, and that was, a, that was something on my curiosity. I heard all these stories about people doing these bizarre things in Apple stores and Apple was cool about it. And it had never been documented in a video. And I would do all these outrageous things like bringing a goat and they were fine with it. And it was one of, but you know what? I mean, I, I was doing it for probably, I don't know, was it eight years, something like that, doing the videos without making any money? You know, it was, again, I didn't know what I was doing. I would have somebody that didn't even know how to film a camera except to you know, press on, literally. And I didn't even, I just, I had no idea what I was doing. And it took me, first of all, my, um, I just, I was so nervous and uncomfortable on camera that it would, it would probably take me 10 minutes to do an intro, which should take a professional 15 seconds. And I just... It took me a long time to get comfortable um, on there, but I just went after my curiosity, and people were nice. And then the sponsors started coming, and 
I I was uh, shocked that I had been able to do make a living and do all these these curiosity things. Like I mean, I had a genuine fear of flying, and I thought in my head the only way I'm going to get over it is to forcing myself to fly over and over and over again and not get off the airplane. And that's what happened. Um, it is one of those things where. I, I always try to, to, in my head, be like, anything is possible. That's why I, I knocked on people's doors for the Carson podcast that I was sure were going to say no. And um, some of them said yes. I mean, I think the ask is so important. And I just feel like um, the ask is uh, like an art form in itself. Yeah. And again, you you do that so well. You know, one name that jumped out to me as I was kind of scrolling through the big list, Rona Barrett. My goodness, she was just an I, you know, she was, she was an icon of that period. And you know, you think about paparazzi, you think about TMZ, you think about all of these, you know, kind of beneficiaries today of the work that Rona Barrett did. Did you enjoy, you know, talking to her and hearing about her work with all of these people that she was reporting on? It was the biggest honor. I mean, she was, I believe, the first red person on the red carpet at the Academy Awards, the first person to ever do that. And I mean, yeah, I mean, her stories were endless. She gave me, I think, like close to two hours and couldn't believe this stuff. She's like, where are you finding all this stuff? And um, I, I try to do as much research as I possibly can on these people. Um, but yeah, I mean, she has like everything from Johnny Carson to her feud with Tom Snyder to... Uh, being friends with the Sinatra family and Frank to Frank turning on her and just, yeah, hearing just about this different time in life where, I mean, w- when she was doing this, I mean, she could, could make or break someone in one of her, her columns. And she just was, um, her story also really got me that when she was a child, she was um, sick and couldn't even climb stairs and just overcoming so much um, and making this happen um, when it was very hard for women to break in. Uh, her story was inspiring. And then all the show business um, stuff that I, I, I heard from her, it was, I, I was, it was like Christmas morning when I talked to some of these people. And I just try to get out of their way. Um, once they've stopped talking, then I'll, I'll ask another question or I'll interject. But I try uh, just to set them up and then get, get out of their way. Well, Mark Malkoff, what a pleasure it's been to uh, speak with you. It, honestly, it, it's an honor. You're, you're just doing so many neat things, funny things. I want to encourage our audience to go check out the, Car- the Carson podcast, of course, but check out the website, Mark Malkoff. We'll put links where our audience can find everything, but some great stuff and just some great interviews on the Carson podcast. Congrats on all this work, Mark. Oh, Paul, thank you so much. And thank you for your kind words. As somebody who's a professional who has so many credits and they've done all these things to get anything back from somebody such as yourself is truly means a, a lot and I, I appreciate you listening to the podcast and, and having me on this was a lot of fun our review today is from arlene b medina who gave the show a five star rating on apple podcasts on September 29th, 2022, so just a few days ago, Arlene Medina says the Not Old Better show is one of the best. Every time I hear it, it feels new. An amazing show and episodes that touch the heart. I love the Not Old Better show. My thanks to you, Arlene Medina, and for all of you who have left wonderful ratings for us there at Apple Podcasts. They mean a lot, so please keep it up. 
My thanks to the Amazon Pharmacy team for all they do to support the show. Please support our sponsors who, in turn, support the show. Check out Amazon Pharmacy in our show notes today. My thanks, of course, to Mark Malkoff for his generous time, for his wonderful sense of humor. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not All Better Show audience on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe. Which, of course, I'm telling you every single show now, followed by my message to eliminate assault rifles. Only members of the military use these weapons. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn. School, let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show interview series on radio and podcasts. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week.